Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. Never make a major life decision in February. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. Hide Easter eggs. Otherwise, they're like weird cabinet above your refrigerator for 363 days a year, right? Get them out. With Margaret Abel's and Amy Wilson. They're like Prince William and Lady Kate. Is that my name? Because here I am with my wine glass full of chocolate milk. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas. So you don't have to. Clean up whatever. If they loved it and they didn't fight, then you win. Hello, everyone, and welcome to What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the face of motherhood. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And this week, how is it still winter? Why is it not spring yet. What's going on? We are, in fact, moaning in the face of motherhood <laughs> and occasionally weeping in the face yes. of motherhood, or at least gently crying in the face of motherhood. The big news as we recorded this was this week, Elmo went on Twitter, Elmo from Sesame Street. Oh, Elmo. And he said, Elmo is just checking in. How is everybody doing? And oh, this didn't no, go well for Elmo. 12,000 people came for Elmo saying variations of like, not great, not great, Elmo, actually. Not great, Bob. Yeah. There's a great scene in Mad Men, if you haven't watched it. There's a character who's like the underling, the kind of long-suffering, but also kind of horrible underling to the main- Vincent Kartheiser is the actor, but I can't think of the character's name anymore. Correct. Pete. Pete. Pete is the name. And he's John Hamm's underling. And he's also terrible. But I don't remember the source of the conflict in this particular episode, but there's a guy named Bob. And- this character gets in the elevator and Bob, who's like the office cheerful guy, is like, how's it going, Pete? And he just goes, not great, Bob. <laughs> and my sister and I, that's become our go-to phrase. Yeah. I'm just always like, you know, well, I'll be halfway through the uh, description of my day. And she's like, so it's a not great, Bob. I'm like, not great, Bob. Not great, Bob. Right. And that's how we're all doing right now. Thanks, Elmo. Not great, Elmo. I don't think Elmo was expecting to get that back. And now all the other characters of Sesame Street have, have hopped on. Snuffleupagus has very large ears and he's available for listening. If anybody wants to reach out to Snuffleupagus on Twitter, he's here for you. Even Oscar. I feel we need Oscar at a time like this. Oscar just needs to be depressed with us in our trash cans. Yeah, Oscar is us. Oscar's not mean, you know, like he's cranky. He's just metaphorically sitting in a trash can of life, just like yeah. the rest of us. Yeah, he's and so are we. We're in the trash can of winter. We talked about this during the pandemic, and this was such interesting research. I'm bringing it back. We're going to talk about the third quarter phenomenon. I need this because I will say, I mean, getting a little personal, this week I've just had the blues really badly. The blues mixed with, do you know the phrase, it's one of my favorite phrases ever, in Breakfast at Tiffany's, she doesn't get the blues, she calls them the mean reds, and it's like, that's so much more what I have. I have the mean reds, I don't have the blues. It's like the blue. It sounds like little pills you take, you know, in the 70s. Well, the blues implies like, I've got the blues, but like the mean reds are like jaggedy and jangled and like sharp and mean, you know, like it, the blues kind of feels soft and cozy in its own way, but the mean reds is what I have. Like, I can't really picture Audrey Hepburn having the mean reds. Yeah, but- Holly go lightly. Even she did. And I have the mean reds this week. And it, I've been talking to my spouse a lot about it, tearfully, as the, I'm having 
also sundowning, like which is a well, sundowning is like people with Alzheimer's get much more confused when it gets dark and they start to want to go home and things. But it's odd because I've been my husband sweetly has been checking in on me. Are you doing a little bit better? And I'm like, yeah, I think today's fine. And then he walks in the door at five thirty, and I'm like crying, and I'm like, oh, it's the sun goes down, and like, yeah, it's the seasonal affective disorder. The darkness literally comes inside my bones. I yes, it's been cloudy like four days in a row in New York City, and I'm. I get to like, what's the use really quickly, right? When there's no sunlight at all. It's not even that cold. It's just not sunny. It's not nice. And that's the thing. It's not. Now, people go crazy when I say this. I'd a million times rather have snow than the weather that we're having, which is we had a nice snow, one nice snow so far in New York. It wasn't exciting, but it was at least a little bit of snow. Snow is like, let's put on some chili and light the fire and get cozy in our flannel sheets and, you know, make hot cocoa. What we're having is like low gray sky with driving 40 degree rain. It's the worst of all the weathers. Yes. At least snow is vaguely jolly, for God's sakes. I did some research this morning and I went... Will you take it as a given, more or less? I said that like the weather that you dread, the time of year you dread, starts around November 15th and it ends around April 1st. I feel like those are the like, before November 15th, it's still crunchy leaves. And after April 1st, oh, like here here we go. Like it's getting dark at seven o'clock. So November 15th to April 1st is the dark time of the year. For me, in my familial and religious tradition, it doesn't start bothering me until January 5th. Like I find that with, the lights of Christmas, like I do, the cold doesn't bother me. It's the endlessness that bothers me. Like I want it to be cold in November, December. I just want it to end February. I ran, 15th. I ran some numbers for you. It doesn't because it's not over yet. So, well, I ran different numbers, and you can run the numbers starting January fifth. I would say you maybe you're still in the third quarter phenomenon. But I'm like, okay, are we in the third quarter of winter or not? So from that, it was like, I might need my winter coat November 15th. I might need my winter coat end of March, but that's it. Like, that's the whole thing. So going from that, we are, guys, I broke it down. It's 137 days out of the year. That's like, you might need a winter coat on and you'd rather be inside. Quarter one is basically until Christmas. Quarter two is Christmas until the end of January. Quarter three, January 23rd to February 27th. Basically, February is third quarter of winter. I agree with this because even though I'm saying like I'm a good sport about winter until January, I'm still experiencing it. So, and it's the darkness too. It's the third quarter. Because I was just thinking, we went skiing. We have a little local ski hill here and we went skiing last Saturday and I was having this feeling of, oh no, like winter's almost over and we haven't really done a lot of ski. The winter has really stunk the last couple of years in New York. It, you know, it's been rainy, not snowy, not cold enough, still cold enough to be unpleasant. And I was thinking, I think I'm really becoming such a winter person that I want winter to last longer. And then one week later, I was like in a fetal position crying for no reason in bed when my husband came home from work. You wish for winter to be longer and now, so we have you to thank. Well, it's like, I just want more snow, I think. I mean, I I like snow. I like skiing. I like being out in the snow. I even like sledding still with my kids. I like watching my kids frolic in the snow. But we're getting all of the harm of winter and none of the benefits. That's how I feel right now. Like, it's all low gray sky, soggy rain. It's uncomfortable. I have a big winter coat. When I moved back to New York, my mother-in-law was nice enough for Christmas to buy me Because the first year I lived here, I was sort of, I had moved from California and I was still doing like three sweaters and a raincoat. Like I was just trying to make it up. Mm -hmm. And she bought me a really good, I don't know who makes it, but let's say like Land's End, right? It's like, it's got a fuzzy hood. It's got a, it's a real, real warm winter coat. And I haven't even had it on this year because. Too hot. You don't really need it. It's too hot. We haven't had a lot of freezing weather. And for me, I do a lot of like going to my garage, getting in my car, going to the gym, walking inside. You know, I mean, I don't, I'm not going to put on a giant winter coat. And then you're hot in the Target. And like, that's another thing that's terrible about winter. Yeah, I don't like that. See, for you in New York City, you spend more time outside. I do. But yes, even then, the big guns coat has not come out of the closet as much as it used to. That's for sure. I do think that's one part of the problem is all downside of winter, zero upside. Well, let's talk about the third quarter phenomenon. 
because we're in the third quarter, like what that actually is. Yes, please. Because that's why I'm crying all the time right now. Go ahead. So we talked about this during the pandemic when we were like, are we in the third quarter of the pandemic? And funny, if you go back. We thought we were in like nine times. Narrative voice. They were not in the third quarter of the phenomenon. <laughs> Correct. We were like, oh, God, it's April 2020. We're in the third quarter of this. Right. Aren't we in the third quarter of this? And then again in March 2021, whatever. We weren't quite, but we felt like we were. And of course, the uncertainty made it even worse. But the third quarter phenomenon was not about the pandemic. In the 90s, these researchers named Robert Bechtel and Amy Burning studied scientists in the Antarctic who were in what they called a fixed-term situation of isolation and stress. They're basically living in like a cabin in the Antarctic for, call it, November 15th to April 1st, something like that, right? Some long period. They know how long it's going to be, and they can't leave, and this is how it's going to be. And they discovered among these scientists something called the third quarter phenomenon, which was their worst morale, the most fighting and tension, the most like, what's the point, I'll be here forever, happened in the third quarter of their deployment the beginning of the third quarter right like during the third quarter oh no 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 you're oh my god this is where my mind is i was like because the third quarter goes to the end no there's the fourth quarter i'm being a dummy it's the whole third quarter i'm like oh because the third yeah i'm thinking of thirds the fourth quarter right there must be some like we're almost out of here gosh i'm gonna miss this place thing that gets you through the fourth quarter the first quarter is getting used to it i don't know why the second quarter isn't that bad but it's not the third quarter is where all of the bad feeling goes. Ignoring my bozo lack of math reasoning, (laughs) I think about this all the time. I'm flying to California later in the month and it's the fourth hour of the six hour flight that kills you. You know what I mean? Like, cause at the fifth hour, you're like, okay, we're almost there. Like two more episodes of friends on the back of the plane seat and and we're there. But the fourth hour, the thrill of what are we going to watch? What are we going to do? We're up, we're heading off is gone. Dinner has been served or snacks or whatever. Yep. And the light at the end of the tunnel of being there has not being you're not close enough to be like it's when you look up on the six hour flight and the little trackers like you've two hours to go you're like oh no right you're like two hours well this is what they discovered so they discovered this they called it the third quarter phenomenon so then more studies have seen like can you apply this across different sorts of people like astronauts yes yes you can and the other thing that was interesting is can you apply this across different lengths of things. Like, is a six-hour flight going to have a third-quarter phenomenon just as much as a four-month thing in the Antarctic? And the answer is yes, that it happens no matter how long. If you're in a mission, someplace where you're kind of stuck and it's a little bit unpleasant, the hardest part is going to be the like 50 to 75% of the journey, which is exactly where we are. Yeah, it makes a tremendous amount of sense for every version of this whole thing. There's no newness to it and you can't see the end. Right. And and like so maybe it's better to know like okay this is how where I'm supposed to be right now. This is developmentally appropriate for me to be having third quarter phenomenon right now. It's February. I'm going to quote a very wise woman, Margaret Abels, who has said hat tip to uh Ann Richards, my sister because this was not original to me. You say it. You take us home because it's your sister, so really you should say it. My sister's phrase, and she may have even gotten it from someone else, and it's the most useful phrase you'll ever hear. Never make a major life decision in February. And for those of you not into old movies, Chinatown, where you just, you know, it's Chinatown, Jake, it's Chinatown. That's the whole movie kind of moves to the point of like Jack Nicholson's character is trying to figure out all these various threads and how can it be? And at the, you know, one of the denouement moments is a guy says to him, it's Chinatown, Jake, it's Chinatown. It's like, this is just how it is here, people. And my sisters and I often say to each other, it's February, babe. And that's the thing. Like, you don't need any more information about what's wrong and why you are Oscar the Grouch in the trash can than the fact that it's February. And I don't even care if you live in San Diego and it's you're at the beach all day, every day. It's still February. Uh-huh. Okay. And right. this year, hate to break it to you, friends, we get an extra day of February. Is that right? Yes, it's a leap year. So we get another whole day to not make decisions. <laughs> to just run in place. Because what happens, the reason you can't make decisions in February, just to put a very fine point on it, is that you're so miserable and you're so deep in third quarter phenomenon that you're like, having children and being married was a mistake. I'm going to move to 
Guam and open a crab shack and serve crabby patties. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like I'm going to just light my whole life on fire and quit my job or eat, just, pray, love it. Just get out of here. You're going to eat, pray, love it. And then like, <laughs> you're going to be at eat in March and be like, okay, this was good, but I don't want to pray or love. I just want to go home. Right. But you flipped everyone off on your way out the door and you were like, later suckers, I'm out of here. It's like, you don't blow up your life in February, even though it is so tempting. And everything we've set up until now is universally applicable. Like February stinks and we just got to get through it. But there is a special kind of stuck inside and how much longer is this going to take that kicks into gear when you are a parent of kids who are stuck at home with you, who are out of things to do, who extended screen time gives them spiral eyes and makes them fight but leaves them unsatisfied and yearning for something else and you're in charge of what happens next. But fear not, listeners, because we are here to talk about how you can shake things up when you're at this moment where your third quarter phenomenon, now what? Now what are we going to do? We have some ideas, and our listeners have some ideas. After this... Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses, first two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist-approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we? say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E, lumen.me, and use the code FRESH at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. I wanted to give a shout out to Ginny Yurick, who is an upcoming guest that we're going to have on. She hosts the Thousand Hours Outside podcast, and she came up with this whole Thousand Hours Outside framework, which is amazing, which is that you should get your kids as a family, you should spend a thousand hours outside during the year. And I wanted to hat tip that and say that we're going to be talking to her. And that is a definitely a nice goal. But it's like what you were just saying before. This is the worst kind of winter, though, just the like rainy, wet, not fun, 38 degrees and gray stuff. And we were having a fun little phenomenon on our Facebook group, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash what fresh hell cast during the pandemic that we had introduced the idea that people in Denmark leave their babies outside in strollers. And so that the babies would just spend a lot of time outdoors, bundled up, cozy, but outside in the cold. You know, you'd see this line of like babies in strollers outside cafes. The moms were in having coffee and the babies were just all bundled up. And so we started this phenomenon during the pandemic where we were sharing pictures of ourselves as Danish babies, meaning we were wrapped up tight, but we were out on lawn chairs in our lawns right. with our faces towards the sun being Danish babies. Right. And I just said to my husband in my little mini crisis, I need to just Danish baby every day. But today is the clouds are 
two feet above my head. It's wet and gross. And I would be more upset Danish babying outside (laughs) than inside. Like, I don't even want to go outside. Right. Also, back then, your friends were in it with you. Like, let's all Danish baby. We were Danish babying so we could see people. Now we can see people at Starbucks. We don't really have to sit in our gray backyards. Anyway, I just wanted to say, like, yes, is it better to get your kids outside a little bit? Probably. Even on a rainy day? Sure. But even Ginny says she has a calendar that you can download to get to a thousand hours, which seems impossible, but it's not. You do it one hour at a time. And even the way she lays it out is spend like an hour outside on days like it is now. It's been five hours outside in July. That's how you get to a thousand hours. Even Ginny's not saying spend five hours outside right. uh, this week. Right. Because there's days you're doing eight hours, but mm-hmm. yeah, today I'm doing like 45 seconds and I'm done. <laughs> I don't want any more than that. I'm- I don't like you outside. There's other times we're, we're stuck inside. We don't like you outside. There's reasons we can't be outside. Listen, Elmo, oh. thanks for checking in, but I'm doing pretty badly. I'm not even doing one hour outside my bed today. This is my one hour outside my bed talking to you, and then I'm going to go jump back under my flannel sheets and hide. I mean, they're just always are like, their brother has strep throats. So you can't go anywhere. It's this. You, are you waiting for the dishwasher guy to come? You can't go anywhere. Like, There's all kinds of reasons that we really can't go anywhere, or it's raining, or you know, we're waiting for something later. You're still stuck inside. We're out of ideas. And so we wanted to talk about ways to sort of change things up, right? Ways to make things new and exciting when everything's the same and boring and old. Yeah, I think this is good. We're going to get into some actual tips because goodness knows if y'all wanted to hear a nine hour podcast about me complaining about February, that is available to you. But this is actually going to try to be a podcast where we offer some version of a solution. Yes. So I broke down before we go through the actual listener suggestions, I thought we would break down sort of the categories, like the ways to think about this, like the questions to ask yourself, because I think most of them fall into a couple of categories. So the first one is to change the context to make things seem new. Just change the context of them. Like you bring something that you usually use outside inside. That was a, a suggestion from Ella, one of our listeners. Back in the pandemic day, do you remember somebody suggested put Legos in the bathtub? Like they're fine. They don't take on water. She, in in desperation, dumped a thing of Legos in the bathtub and her kid like stayed in there for 90 minutes playing with the Legos that just take something and put it somewhere where it doesn't usually belong and let the kids play with it there. You're going to get a, a real reward out of that if you hit the right thing. Yeah. And it's a simple kind of set point of you don't necessarily have to reinvent the wheel and think... I just put a book in the giveaway pile that's like 75 fun ideas to do with your kids. I did zero of those 75 <laughs> ideas and eventually just put the book in the uh, giveaway pile. And maybe some you of them will find in the bathtub. It. Yeah, someone else will find it useful. But by the time I get exhausted just thinking about like, take construction paper. I'm like, I'm out. Once I see the word yarn, I'm like, never mind. I don't want to be involved in this anymore. Mm-hmm. There was an idea of book traps. I saw this a long time ago in a parenting magazine. And this is another version of this. This um, parenting expert suggested that you get some kids books, whatever, while your kids are at school, while your kids are in the other room, while your kids are at karate, whatever. And you lay out like some blankets, make a cozy spot on the floor. Again, somewhere different, the top of the steps, somewhere that they don't usually go, corner of the kitchen. And you put books and a quilt there. It's just something that isn't usually there is all of a sudden there. And your kids come home or they come around the corner and they're like, what's that? And she said, it's magical. You will see. They sit down and start reading. This is clearly like 10 and under guys. But I did this a lot when my kids were little. I would get out a blanket and like say the horses that are usually in my daughter's room. I'd get out the horses and I'd get out a blanket and I'd line up the horses like by the front door. And then I'd also get out like you know, some Fisher Price guys and line them up. I'm like, this is a horse show. And my kids would come in and be like, what is this? I'm like, it's a horse show. They're at that horse show. And the, and the kids would like fall to it like it was their job to play with that until dinner time. And we've talked a lot about this with younger kids. And it's something that I was terrible at. But when I did it, it worked is rotating the toys, you know, like not having the 400 toys always available because then there's nothing to do. Whereas if you are able and you have a closet where you can keep stuff and then, 
you know, one day it's all the Star Wars things are out and then they go away and outcome all of the, you know, what are those things called? Magnetiles, you know, it does help, I think, to it's new to you. Mm-hmm. Also, one way to do this is just to throw things away because, man, let me tell you, when a kid <laughs> yeah. sees a toy in a garbage bag, it suddenly becomes their favorite <laughs> toy ever. I, I still like that. That's a great tip. <laughs> I, what are you doing? It's like you haven't touched it in 10 years. That's my favorite thing in the world. Yes. And let me tell you, that doesn't go away. You have teenagers and you try to get rid of the thing that like nobody's, it's dusty and they're mad at you. Well, talking about older kids too, I feel like sometimes the weekends are really hard for us, you know, and my kids are teens and tweens now, kid with a birthday. And I'm more like just screeching rules at the top of my lungs rather than setting up wonderful horse shows and book traps. But I will occasionally be like, it's cozy hour for the next two hours. No screens. I'm turning the fire on. Everyone grab a blanket, get, find a cozy spot. Yes. Yes. And that's where you are for the next hour, let's say. And it's imposed coziness, but it's like you can chat with each other, but you're just in your cozy spot and then you don't have a screen. So figure it out. Yeah. Cozy jail, but it's on the branding. You don't call it cozy jail. You call it cozy time. No, it's cozy time. And we have, my husband and I both have seats that are our cozy spots. And it's like, here's a, I'll even hand you a blanket for cozy time. It's cozy time. And the only thing that's allowed... Can I come to Cozy Time? Yeah. I mean, you. this, this is the problem. My husband and I are like, is it Cozy Time again? And the kids are like, not Cozy Time. And we're like, well, we only want Cozy Time. Your needs may vary. Yeah. You can't be in bed for Cozy... There's been a huge fight because you're not allowed to be in bed for Cozy Time. And uh, bed is cozy, but Cozy Time in bed is different. You're like, it's... This is Cozy Sitting Up Time. It encourages reading. Okay. Basically. All right. I like that. But you're not calling it reading time. Or you can just stare into the middle distance and have deep thoughts, but you're not on screens and you're not really making any noise. I wanted to uh, shout this out. I just saw this today on Instagram and I thought this is perfect for what we're talking about. A user on Instagram named Kaiza Coates, she started with her little ones eating dinner by candlelight during like the dark winter months. She said a little over a month ago, we tried this. Dinner time is significantly calmer. The kids slow down and they want to sit and talk around. It One night I forgot and they said, aren't we going to have candlelight? And they, they light it up. And she said her youngest is four and loves it. And I thought this was a great example. It's a great idea. And it's an example of like the thing that you don't like what if there was more of it this is like sort of like a screenwriting thing right like the thing that's not working what if you made it bigger instead of took it out so like it's too dark it's getting dark too early right let's have dinner by candlelight lean into the dark yeah because you can only do that in the winter we do this sometimes that we call it fancy dinner and fancy dinner i'll tell you get eight dollars worth of wine glasses at you know somewhere cheap like a two dollar wine glass suddenly my kids are in heaven. Like, I mean, again, now they're teenagers, not so much, but even still, I'm going to say fancy dinner is still being pulled off. You put chocolate milk or apple juice or even <laughs> Coke, whatever their drink of choice is, in a wine glass and it's fancy dinner. And you should see these kids with a wine glass. They just act like they are just, you know, like Le Bernardin, right? <laughs> they're like Prince William and Lady Kate. Is that my name? Because here I am with my wine glass full of chocolate milk. I love it. A wine glass. That's a $2 investment that really pays dividends. And I'm like it might tip over and it might break or whatever, but, it, but it's worth it. That's the thing. We don't care. Yeah, we don't care if it breaks and we don't care if it tips over. And honestly, they're so into it that we have not had one break. Mm. I'm not talking about leaded crystal. I'm talking about a $2, but they're very, I guess we've had some tip over, but they're just like, oh, they just love drinking out of they them. They take it seriously. Yeah. Another sort of like great rule is to, to flip the order of things, right? When like the order is boring, can you flip the order? Give me an like example. breakfast for dinner, like pancakes and sausage for dinner, or ice cream first, right? Or like dessert first and then dinner, mm. things like that. I'm not saying you do it every night. I'm saying you talk all week about how Wednesday we're going to have backwards dinner and the kids are like, what's that? And you say, well, you'll just have to wait and find out. And then backwards dinner, which may or may not be by candlelight is like dessert first. Kids love this. And I mean, mm-hmm. we 
my sister-in-law introduced us to the concept, which I've spoken about before, of ice cream dinner in the summer. You're like, let's just get ice cream. That's dinner. That's our meal. Yeah. And the thrill of ice cream dinner, it just, it's like, has the world gone mad? Mom's serving ice cream for dinner. I think jangling up the expectations sometimes is very magical for kids. You know, it feels like, and it also, I think, reinforces their sense that there is a lot of order, you know, because it's like, well, this is the disordered version and it, it makes them feel like comfortable that like, okay, the order makes me feel safe. And also if the order goes away, it's also okay. I'm all for it. Well, why don't we take a break? And when we come back, we're going to give you some of our listeners' best ideas for being stuck inside and keeping kids busy, how to shake things up. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. We agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty-calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero-gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber, while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to Hero.co and use the code MOTHERHOOD at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code MOTHERHOOD for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy the Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of the Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your three-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. For the last 20 years, I've been helping moms through growth and transformation. Inside the Shameless Mom Academy, I help you identify who you are and who you are becoming. Look, motherhood is hard. It brought me to my knees many times and sometimes still does. Returning to who I am and who I am becoming allows me to decide how to show up in all those sticky motherhood moments, but also in all my other relationships and in all the ways I show up in my various communities. So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy. And now, a chronological list of activities to keep your kids entertained when they're stuck inside for the winter. Let's have a yummy breakfast. Hot chocolate, anyone? How about some reading by the cozy fire? Huh. It's really only 7.45 a.m.? Okay, uh, let's go outside and frolic in the snow. What do you mean you're coming back in? I haven't even found your sister's snow pants yet. Okay, okay, snow frolicking over, and it's 8.20 a.m. Uh, guys, let's do some baking. Well, letting you guys have all that sugar doesn't seem like it was such a good idea. Fine, okay. Okay, listen, you can have some screens. Fine, okay, you can have some more screens. Okay, I can actually see your brains rotting from across the room. Let's get off those screens, guys. Okay, everybody, I read online that a fun snow day activity was to stack some cans. Wow, wow, thought that can stacking would last longer than three minutes. Board game time. Yes, yes, I know your brother won the board game, but that's no reason to hit. Reading, how about we all try some more reading? Fine. You can have some more screens. Okay, we are getting off those screens. Let's get outside. It's sledding time. Mommy hurt her back carrying the sleds. You guys are going to have to watch a movie for a while. Okay, guys, I'm up and I made some more hot chocolate and cookies. Okay, listen, have an apple. Put some peanut butter on it. 
with your cookies. This is lunch, guys. This is lunch. I looked up our post-lunch activity on Pinterest, and it's marshmallow sculptures. <laughs> the family in the pictures looked happy. Wow, that family in the pictures did not really convey just how much mess this activity would involve. You guys, go make a pillow fort. And I thought the marshmallows were a mess. Okay, I guess I'll clean up the pillow fort tomorrow. All right, it's arts and crafts time. Wow, between the marshmallows, pillow forts, and craft projects, I can't even see the floor of the house anymore. Yikes! I have an idea. Let's all go to our rooms separately and sit quietly for as long as we can. No? You don't like that idea? Fine. Then it's learn to use the vacuum time, guys. Okay, it's now 2.15 p.m., and I am willing to commit half a week's pay to take you to an indoor trampoline park. Well, that was fun and expensive. And now we're home, and it's still only 4 p.m. 4.30, guys. It's dark out, so I guess it's time to have some pizza and then watch screens until bedtime. 6.30. And I think I'll just set all the clocks ahead an hour and convince the kids it's time for bed. This has been a chronological list of activities to keep your kids entertained when they're stuck inside for the winter from the What Fresh Hell podcast. All right, Amy, we've gone to our Facebook group, which I already shouted out. Go find it. What Fresh Hell podcast Facebook group. If you look it up on Facebook, you'll find us there. Thousands of us all chatting with each other. And we went there to ask our listeners what their great ideas are for surviving this third quarter of winter. I loved this one from Sammy Joe. She said we had a cold blast with multiple days in the negatives, which must have been the Midwest summer. So they did an ice capade. She had the kids find toys you want to rescue from ice, put them in a Tupperware container each, one for each kid, left them outside overnight to freeze. And in the morning, her kids had to use water and salt and whatever tools they could to chip away and get the Lego guys out of the ice. She said it took an hour and it was no mess and everybody was happy. Super fun. Super fun. Love it. Low buy-in. And also to your point, we're leaning in. And this is where I think the lack of snow and stuff has been bumming me out. Like we're leaning into winter as opposed to like keeping winter at bay. Yeah. Actually, one more thing about the winter. You do need snow for this. Gail said when her kids were little, they would play for hours with snow on a baking sheet. They'd wear their gloves if their hands got cold, but mostly they just use their little trucks or kitchen items to scoop it and make recipes out of it. Once it got too melty, I'd dump it and bring in more and they'd keep going. All you need is snow. Yeah. And I mean, I definitely am the person who's like, my first thought whenever anything like this is brought up is like, that sounds messy. But I think, again, like the fear of cold, the fear of mess kind of sometimes gets in our way of buying ourselves time that we really need, you know? And again, we did an episode where about we forgot what this was like when I was taking care of my two and six-year-old niece and nephew. And when you just wake up to that gaping yawn of 6.30 a.m., I've got 16 hours to go And my dad has a joke that if he found out he had a year to live, he would spend it riding an exercise bike at a children's birthday party because those are the two things that like make time stop when you're riding an exercise bike or you're at a children's birthday party. He's like, I could stretch it to be like, it would feel like 23 years. That's true. You'd be like, take me, Lord. I'm done. (laughs) I'm done early, actually. (laughs) You'd be like, I'm ready to go. Get me out of here. But it's true that like that feeling of like, That unique feeling that I will tell you guys, you just don't have it anymore when your kids are all over 10, where you're like, oh my God, it's 735. Okay, let's plan six activities. Okay, now it's 812. You know, like how is the day humanly possibly moving this slow? Any activity that eats up an hour is your friend. And this baking sheet one, like, okay, so you get a couple of pool towels, right, first, and you put them on your table, and then you put the baking sheet of snow, and then it's snow. It's just water, right? It's just, it is worth it. It's worth the hour, even if you have to change your kids' clothes after, even if, because nobody's fighting and everybody's deeply engaged. It's a different kind of piece. Otherwise, they're fighting and jumping on the furniture and yelling, and this is, this is worth wiping up the water on the floor afterwards, I think. And I think that one thing that the pandemic taught us, and then we forgot this lesson very quickly, was 
what is the expression? Is, there's no weather, there's clothing, there's something, there's some expression I'm not coming up with right now, but like you can go out in most weather if you have the right kind of clothes. I mean, friends of mine and I would sit out in 29 degree weather with cups of coffee around a fire pit and chat for five hours. I mean, it was better than being home alone. Right, right. Yeah. And I think, and also we would get the kids out in gear and go walking in the woods, you know, and we've gotten so out of all of those habits because we don't have to do those things anymore. But a lot of these activities can happen outside. Like the tray of snow can be on your deck. You know, it doesn't it doesn't always have to come inside the house. Right. Well, this is like when there's a wind chill of, of 12 or you're making dinner or you have to listen for the baby or whatever, right? This stuff can come inside, but you're right. Like, or we suck it up and send them outside for a while. Yeah, yeah. Rachel had a good one I'd never heard before. One year I made up a holiday. I guess I didn't hear of it because she made it up. Rachel's holiday. <laughs> Because you don't live in Rachel's house. Rachel's holiday is called East Oween. It's a cross between Easter and Halloween. The kids wear costumes, makeup, etc., and hunt Easter eggs in the house. It's a buy nothing holiday, so we have to use what we can find. It's been really fun. Sure. I mean, yeah, hide Easter eggs. Otherwise, they're like weird cabinet above your refrigerator for 363 days a year, right? Get them out. Yeah. This is the kind of stuff. It's. I mean, you're good at this. I, this is not in my skill set, but... It's the marketing thing of like, we're going to do this fun thing just by calling it something, you know, and, and kids are very susceptible to this and very into it. And it's, it's fun. Mm -hmm. Well, I'll bring uh, the goal line closer to all of us. Shannon says it's really fun to let your kids unroll a roll of toilet paper around the house. Whoever unrolls it the fastest without, or without breaking it wins. She says, my kids still ask years later if they can do this. <laughs> I'm trying to picture it. The game is you unroll a roll of, I guess, toilet paper. Each kid gets a roll of toilet paper. And how fast you could unroll it without breaking you it. You have to unroll the whole roll without it breaking, I guess. Wh whoever can unroll their whole roll first. But if you break it, you have to start over with a new roll or something. And they have to clean it up. She did say, I cut this part, but Shannon did say, P.S. You get buy-in ahead of time. Cleanup is at the participant's responsibility. Huge, huge. I used to do one with, I saw it somewhere, you tie a piece of string on something in the house and then you just walk around with the string and then the kids have to follow it and find the whole path. And it's, again, stupid, but takes up a lot of time and doesn't involve that much cleanup. Aaron did this one and this, I've seen this on Instagram, but it never occurred to me that you could like copy and paste this for home use. She said, go on YouTube and search Disney ride or roller coaster rides. And there's all these videos people have done of their perspective riding on the seven dwarves runaway mine train or whatever. And that you then sit the kid on your lap and watch the rides and you like, and you pretend, maybe put them in a laundry basket and pretend they're on the ride. That seems fun. That seems fun. Yes. Yeah, I would do that. That seems fun. That's low entry. I'm going to try it this weekend with my 16-year-old. I'm going to put him in a laundry tub and I'm going to put him in. <laughs> I'm going to be like, can you believe it? We're at Disneyland. Whoa, Space Mountain. <laughs> Aaron had one that was a little more effort, but I really like this one too. Pick an animal. Like today is platypus day. We're going to talk about and learn about the platypus all day. Watch a couple of videos on YouTube, then you try to draw it, then you let them use the recycling bin to make a habitat for a platypus or a, you know, a way to catch one or whatever. Then you make up a poem about it, etc. It's platypus day. That is a fun idea. That is a really fun idea. We play a game in the car that is called I Know Something About. And you say the leader of the game, whoever it is, you take turns, says, I know something about platypuses, that the males have a poisonous barb on their back right foot, an actual true fact about platypuses, friends. And then the next person has to say, I know something about platypuses. They are one of only two mammals who lay eggs. I have a lot of, I could do this all day. <laughs> don't my don't son play is a platypus Margaret maniac. in this one, right. Don't Pick play a different animal. Me. But it's really fun. And then, but you can also say, I know something about platypuses. They have four feet. Like four, yeah, they have a tail. And so you can, everybody just, and then it keeps going until you're out. Somebody doesn't know something else to say. And then you pick a different animal and you do it. It's fun. It's a good card game with little kids. Cassie says, use painter's tape. 
I'm a big fan of painter's tape. Cassie says she uses it to create laser mazes, like use a doorway and you tape the painter's tape across the doorway and then maybe like down a hallway so that your kid like Catherine Zeta-Jones in that movie. Oh God, what was that movie? Where there's all these lasers. Picture like a- I know the one you're talking about. Her butt was like going under the lasers. Yeah, her butt was going, right, exactly. It's some jewel heist kind of a movie. Uh, Search YouTube for jewel heist laser (laughs) escape videos and you use painter's tape. Right. Just search for Catherine right. Right. Zeta-Jones butt laser and that'll come up because the shot is of like her butt dipping right under the laser. And you got a, yeah, you got a sort of slow motion kickbox over this one and then get under that one. Make one of those for your kids and then have them make one for you. I have definitely gotten mileage out of, okay, I'll do a scavenger hunt for you with five things on it. And now you make a scavenger hunt for me that has five things on it. And that'll take them, it'll take them, you know, half an hour to do your scavenger hunt and two hours to create the scavenger hunt for mom. And meanwhile, you've, you know, finished your dissertation (laughs) waiting for them to come back with the five things they need you to find. And you may or may not find it, but then it'll be dinner time anyway. And you don't have to do all these things with the kids. Let me tell you, let me tell you a good one. You get a couple of little squares. You give them like four squares, two kids. And it's basically floor is lava. Like, can you get from here to upstairs and back downstairs without touching the floor? And you can use these little, you know, squares of construction paper. I just said I don't do anything with construction paper. Give them like two coasters, put their feet on anything. And then they have to figure out if they can get upstairs and downstairs without ever touching the floor. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. And it works. Yeah. Sometimes it leads to like finding kids on like furniture and stuff, but oh, well, this is why we don't have any nice furniture. It's like you're out of ideas and they can be happy for an hour doing this. It's worth it. Babby has one. This is uh, like so crazy. It probably works. She says, you throw out all of the clothes, her words, all of the clothes, you throw them in a big pile then you let the kids roll around in them and hide each other under them. She says, I know this sounds horrible. <laughs> she lives somewhere that gets really cold for a really long time because this is insanity. Right. I know this sounds horrible, says Babby, and results in so much work afterwards. But the few times that I've allowed this, it was a huge success. Um, yeah, it's like, is it worth the 20 minutes of picking it up? If they played for two and a half hours, it might be. Like that. I think I'm, I'm on Babby's side on this. Like, clean up whatever if they loved it and they didn't fight then you win i'm gonna give you another one that saved my butt during uh i have a daughter and for maybe her i want to say like seventh birthday party winter birthday she was i invited whatever all the kids in the grade all the girls in the grade let's call it 12 kids and i'm sort of like they're girls they can just play dolls in her bedroom i didn't really give it that much thought And 12 minutes into the party, it was chaos. They were running up and down. We have a, what do you call it? Like an elevated, you know, walkway, like a catwalk kind of. It's, And I'm like, someone's going to go over the side of it. They were wild. And I had one of those rolls of paper that goes on an easel, rolled it out on the floor and wrote happy birthday in... um, bubble letters. And I was like, you guys have to create the birthday poster and threw 1 million crayons on the floor. And they worked on this poster for an hour. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you never know what's going to catch on, but they're like, I need your help with this. That's another thing that kind of works for kids under 10, right? I need your help with this. They still buy into wanting to do that. Michelle gave us this one and I thought it was particularly useful. It is her older daughter's invented game for days she was stuck inside. So thank you, Michelle's daughter, for this one. You cut up a sheet of paper into 16 rectangles and fill them in. It's just kind of and put one thing on each sheet of paper. Um, board game, read for half an hour, clean the playroom, practice the piano, play Nintendo for 15 minutes, have a snack, whatever. Fill it out with 16 different things. You fold them up and you put them in a cup. And then you pull it out and that's what you do next. And then she says, like, it's the rules of the game. Like, there's chores in there. There's screen time in there. It's the luck of the draw. And whatever the piece of paper says is what happens next. And then the kids just do it. And then you don't have, like, an eight-hour day where it's raining and raining. You have, like, 16 chunks of 20-minute activities. And that the kids are happy to do it. 
Yeah, this used to be me with my whiteboard. I was always, I was living on like, here's the schedule for the day. And it was very random, right? It was clean your rooms, 15 minutes, screen time, two hours, probably. Uh, Read a book, you know, and it just, it just made the day. It's like the old, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? Like it just breaks the day down because what we're trying to avoid in the third quarter, friends, is the gaping, yawning maw of time that threatens to swallow us all whole. Thanks for asking how we're doing, Elmo. Right, right, right. It's that like, how much longer will this go on? Right. If you can bring the finish line closer, I don't have to worry about what we're going to do all day because for the next 20 minutes, we're going to read a book about ducks. That helps all of us, probably kids and parents both. Yeah, exactly. And that's what we're here for, Amy, to help children and parents both. We solved the heck out of that one with some help from our listeners. And there must be somebody out there that you know who is stuck home with their kids in this gray, rainy time that you could send them this episode pretty much wherever you're listening right now. You can tap, swipe, share, send it to them and be like, you would love this show. You would love this podcast. That's how podcasts grow, any podcast, by word of mouth. And so we'd love that help. Thank you. Or you can even post it on your own social media and say, here's a great episode. And then you don't have to, you know, get people one by one. You can get them hundreds at a time. That's what we really love. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right, right. That's right. That's right. You can catch lots of listeners for us at once. That would be nice, too. Like a book trap. It's a social media trap, people. We love it. Podcast trap. We love it. Thanks so much for listening, friends. We'll talk to you next time. So long. Well, hey there, Busy Mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. 